this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon Joman McCos, Nick and Dan, gentlemen. We have a match to preview. It has been a while. I don't know about you, Nick. Uh, maybe less so because you're probably the most involved in U.S. soccer out of the three of us. But this has seemed like the longest international break of the bunch so far for whatever reason. I don't know. I have to think on that. I, I think I think the first one felt long to me because it was like just right after the start of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm into international soccer. I'm a... U.S. soccer fans. So this is as long as we're playing, I have something to do. But in in the weeks in which we don't have anything, is my I don't get my fix, which is uh, tough. But I I hate this. The the next like year, yeah, full almost full year now of of soccer is going to really be hard on club fans because you're going to go through all the qualifiers. So you have now, you have November, January, March. Summer football obviously doesn't affect us as much, but then you're going to go into the World Cup cycle next uh, winter around Thanksgiving in the U.S., and it's just going to throw everybody off of their normal schedule. It's going to be ridiculous. I don't know about you, Dan, but I I don't watch any of the European matches whatsoever. Like, I very much like stepped away from watching any international football minus an occasional u.s game once well, that time to catch up on a new season of great british bake-off there's an opportunity <laughs> i did the to, other day it's great <laughs> opportunity to maybe watch uh the the muppets uh haunted mansion special which was uh, pretty enjoyable outside of really bad new kermit voice but yeah look there's uh there's time to get into your other interests your other hobbies you know give them an opportunity to breathe because the chelsea can be so dominating for large portions of the year yeah it definitely happens i mean it we are so bored that big nash is now asking on discord if i enjoyed my long corn picking break which a is a little bit offensive being <laughs> someone from uh, a state full of corn in iowa there's other things to do there sir nash and i was there for a weekend all right i don't know how long you all thought i was Look, gone there's but... corn picking and there's corn shucking <laughs> and there's corn preserving yeah detasseling. I mean, fair, it's a whole right right now is harvest season if you want to get into it all right so that's why you probably see a lot more tractors and combines out there tis the season to reap what you have sown brandon have you been through a really good corn maze before <laughs> i'm sure i have as a kid i mean <laughs> the thing though like in iowa this is when they you don't have them because corn is such a valuable commodity that no one's like chopping down like an eighth of their their cornfield just for kids to run around so brandon was your first video game farming simulator no but my friend yeah that 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 blows my mind that's an interesting thing but anyways we don't need to go down this rabbit hole i promise <laughs> we are here for the brentford match preview we're going to be obviously as usual covering the brentford angle then flip to the chelsea angle and then we'll flip to the chelsea youth update as well they just played uh today as we record and and if you missed it phil and i had a, had a nice little sit down chat breaking down the academy structure of england and why it is the way it is and and how chelsea fit into that so uh go listen to that if you haven't we would appreciate it but before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything dan apple podcast review time Look, Chelsea might have been on break, but people leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts never 
underline never quit leaving those five-star reviews. I am Lookman from the U.S., Oliambi from the U.K., Sultan RR from Canada, Cho11 from the U.S., Caleb Seekins from the U.S., uh, DJN is Blue from Canada, and Kobe Casey, who left a wonderful five-star review, who did have to ask, remember the time Brandon Busby took over the, the over on the Timo 20-plus goals in a season? Hopefully he refinanced that to extend the bet over two years. Smart angle. Uh, it was 17 and a half, and um, you know, uh, I should have hey, added assists. You, you were only All 11, you're only 11 and a half short, you know. So, yeah, Brandon yeah. was counting on being in the world where VAR and offsides were not in effect, and hey, that would have been right. That probably would have been a push at that point, it's been interesting. So, even a Kansas City shout out and a thank you to us. So, uh, look, we appreciate the words, not because we need to be told we're doing great. It's more to make sure that we know that we're actually putting out good content and what you want to hear. So uh, use that platform to let us know how we're doing. But as we head into this one, the three-word match preview, all right, I put embrace the siege in case you've forgotten. Matt Law talked about it early in this week. Uh, Chelsea are still top of the table. Uh, and Liverpool City, maybe United if they decide to turn up on their day. Apparently Brighton's getting into the mix. Uh, we're going to have some defending to do at the top of the table. It's not going to be easy. We have a favorable favorable run, so I want us to embrace it and extend it if we can. Dan, what about you? Well, for those who maybe don't know, Raid is a form of bug killer. So I went with Raid, the BCS, the Brentford Community Stadium, because Chelsea seemed to go in and assert the dominance that you're talking about, Brandon. We need to go act like we are top of the table and now title favorites, because if you're in first... You get you can you can claim you can claim that you can lay claim to it, Nick. Oy. <laughs> Not this again, God. Uh, I went with bust the hive. Uh, That's we're good getting too. we're getting one of our uh, one of our sledgehammers back this week, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, I know the the irony, Nick. That literally, as we get done recording with Matt, uh, yeah, we think these are the injuries. Naz tweets. An hour later, uh, no injuries. So uh, good news, but made us look silly. But that is how yeah. it works. Unlucky. Yeah. So anyways, how are you feeling heading into the match? You know, obviously, we just made it really lopsided. Dan said we're top of the table. Brentford, a newly promoted team. It is a West London derby, if you want to consider that from a, from a geography standpoint. But feeling good, feeling bad, coming off the international break. No major injuries. Obviously, some people come coming back off of muscle fatigue, maybe overplaying, which, again, will just be a common theme from now until the end of time if the way FIFA dominates the schedule. I feel really optimistic, though I do think this is like the perfect trap game to come back to where we had this momentum, we had the excitement, we, we had the energy. We say that every break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like this, it, it feels like it because you have a couple of things, Nick, that you would normally think, OK, newly promoted side, they might not be ready for the challenge. But this Brentford team is good. Like, I think that's the thing that we have to underline. This is not this is not your Norwich. This is not the guaranteed three points. And if you don't get three, you should be embarrassed. This is the they are making life difficult for every team they played this season. Not your grandpa's Brentford. No. <laughs> they use data. <laughs> no, they, they do. And, and they're coached by Thomas Frank, really sharp uh, young manager in the Premier League. Uh, we were talking about him and, and his, uh, his Danish affiliations before this. Uh, and look, I mean, 3-3 against Liverpool, fought back to get that draw. I mean, that's hugely impressive. 
and then they beat Arsenal in the first week, and it was not close. Like, they dominated Arsenal. Um, so, you know, I think we have to pay them respect. And the other thing that we, we talked about a little bit with Matt, Brandon, was that they don't have international footballers who go off and play international football, um, at least not many. So uh, they're largely going to be fresh after having a couple of weeks back at, at the training facility. So, you know, that's certainly not the case with Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, look, you look at the roster, they probably have more than what we think, right? I think just the way that they're built uh, is probably going to surprise us. But for the most part, there's no way that like they emptied house like Cobham did. I mean, Cobham, they might as well sent the workers home for a week because there's minus Pulisic, really no one uh, left. Hey, Ruben was Chelsea. there. Scorn worldies, okay? That is true, yeah, which is great to see. Um, but, you know, again, Brentford, trap game, all these things. My opinion is we should be coming in off the break excited to be back in club soccer, club football, and you expect players to go out there and really just attack this one, especially um, it's not maybe necessarily Brentford alone, but when, again, you look at the next five or so fixtures, the opportunity in front of this team is so big that I think these players are going to get that and say, hey, let's go get three points on the road at Brentford and then domino, 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 just keep knocking them down. So that's that's kind of where I'm hoping from. And, I, you know, we've talked about squad depth, mainly in the midfield and, and, and maybe lack of attacking. But I think this is also, you know, a, a good opportunity to play a team that they know, you know how they're going to play, especially if they're in the 4 2 and and how they want to attack and some things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, Chelsea versus Brentford, I mean, this isn't the Carabao Cup from six years ago with Jose. This is this is Tuchel's Premier League squad, you know? So I'm feeling confident. As you should. Uh, I think there's a, there's a neat stat that we have won each of our last six away London derbies right now, and we would become the first team in the English Football League history, top four tiers, to win seven matches in a row well, in that. that is- that's about Kings of London. You, you gotta Every, win this one. Everyone, knock on wood, please. Dan just did the commentator's curse, please. Um, so some of the results that they have had, we I think everyone remembers beating Arsenal two nothing on the road at the beginning of the season, right? I definitely think that uh, that was an exciting one for for all of the Premier League to kick off the season with. Then they drew uh, Palace nil nil, drew Villa one one, lost to Brighton one nothing, beat Wolves two nothing, drew Liverpool three three. I watched a bunch of that; that was quite exciting. And actually, just beat West Ham two to one. It's a big one. And and we've seen West Ham climb up the table. If you're involved in fantasy football at all, you probably have Antonio and Ben Rama, and maybe even Sue Fall. And so, where they have been this season, I think is really impressive. Nick again. newly promoted um have been heavily reliant on data and the moneyball approach uh to sell assets for a profit to reinvest and continuously doing that we laughed that they just have a lot of a lot of danish players in their squads a little danish moneyball uh in that sense but again you look at some of these results like if if it if it weren't brentford's name there i think we'd say this is a really good run of results i think we're definitely discounting some of it because of who it was yeah i mean three losses or three wins three draws one loss and the the only loss was to to brighton and brighton's up in the table i mean brighton's playing well so i mean it you know it's not bad i mean they scored 10 conceded six so they haven't they're not missing goals 
like a lot of newly promoted teams are. Uh, three clean sheets in that. I mean, you know, again, like I don't want to make them out like they're prime Real Madrid, but I mean, they're they're a good squad, and you know, I think where we have you know struggled, Dan, uh, is is against teams that are well organized, who have you know kind of a deep block, who sit back and who know how to counter against us. And from what I've seen of them this year, and I don't proclaim to be a Brighton expert by any means, that's kind of their style. Yeah, the one interesting one is uh, Ivan Tony, who was the striker who lit up the championship last season. And there was a lot of hype, uh, both from a player and the team coming up, but also in terms of him as an FPL asset for a lot of players at a low cost, potentially high reward. And he hasn't gotten firing completely yet. Only two goals so, so, uh, so far for the season to assist. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of continue to find a little bit of rhythm here. I mean, he's played uh, maximum minutes so far. Uh, only three players in their team have at the moment. So, uh, but they don't have a deep squad. I mean, I think that's the other thing that we, you know, if it's not working for us, you know, Tuchel has a lot of options. You know, when you get down into this squad that Brentford have, it's it's a little shallow, which is not uncommon for a side that's just come up from the championship, Brandon. So the new player that is starting to kind of steal the limelight from Tony, uh, look, he still on his day can do quite well um, with with two, you know, what he has, one goal, but it's a penalty. So two overall, one from open play. But it's Brian and Buemo. I mean, and if there's a French name out there, Brian is it, right? So, mm. um, <laughs> but he's the second four that plays just off of Tony with Tony. And in the Liverpool match, he was actually the danger man. Um, you know, Tony would fight for that first ball and Embuemo would be right there to pick up the scraps and then ran at Liverpool and gave him a really, really tough time. And so it'll be interesting to see, again, how that goes. But you look at the roster, I mean, to you know, Dan's point, you know, they're playing uh, Tony Embuemo seven matches as far as forwards go. Outside of that, they have only one other person, Marcus Force, who's played five minutes in another match. So to Dan's point, Whatever they go out with is pretty much what you're going to get and it's what you're going to have to deal with throughout the uh, the match. We'll see. I take that back. There's uh, Visa, who's played in 61 minutes across four matches. But my point stands. So I'll be interested to see. I mean, Chelsea should have the upper hand, um, you know, in attack. The fact that you're going to have three on four, most likely. The fact that we're essentially four on four in the midfield is probably a great thing for us. And then, you know, the center backs, they are going to have to figure out Tony and, and Buemo are a handful. But if you've got three on those two, especially with Rudiger in there, he'll win everything in the air. And we'll get to our lineups, but it will be interesting to see who we think those back three uh, defenders will be. So uh, Gabriel asking, what is your favorite type of honey and how would the Brentford bees ruin your picnic experience with your favorite honey? I'm sorry, are there brands of honey? There's, oh, there's types. You have, you have the you have the bear bottle and then the knock. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly it's a hot honey. It, it is some type of hot honey, hands down, because hot oh, honey have, can go on some. anything. Yeah. yeah, hot honey on pizza, baby. Ooh, oh yeah, let's go. I've actually had it for like over a month. It was a sample, and I just didn't know what to do with it. So I'll I'll keep that in mind next time. Pepperoni pizza, baby, right on top of that bad boy. Mm. I will take you up on that. Uh, any serious answers or are we just going to stick with hot honey? 
so I, I'm a big time allergy sufferer. So I have all sorts of local honey in my, in my house to help nice. me adapt to local allergens. Uh, so that's a really non uh, answer, but it, that Missouri honey. Well, but you're, you're supporting a small business, you know, and then the people now can get closer hey. to you because they recognize that, look, if you've got a, a hot honey tip, uh, just, you know, not hot honey, but a hot honey tip, a lead on something, Niffer Laney will take you up on it. Look, on a serious note, save the bees. All right, folks? True. Save them. True. Not save the Brentford them. ones, but. No. Crush yeah. them. The, the pollinator bees. Yeah, the real, the real bees doing the real work out there. So, uh, Gabriel, I'm going to have to ask you to reach out to our friend Joe Tweeds. Uh, him and I were talking tea. You know that dirty brown water that tastes like paper bag? Mm. Um, I actually kind of enjoy it. Anyways, Joe gave me a tea recommendation, and then he said partner it with this honey. And it was like $14 for a jar. And he's like, yeah, but it's really good. And I was like, not there yet, Joe. Yeah, no, 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 no. So Joe's, he Joe's fancy as shit, though. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Joe's... Apparently, he's a honey connoisseur. So <laughs> hit him up for it. All right, hey, let's go. Ahead. his combs, that's for sure. <laughs> let's go ahead and take our break. We get back, we're going to flip the script and look at the Chelsea angle before the Chelsea Youth update. Uh, so we'll thank to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. Be right back. Oh. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, coming out of the ad break, we do want to say uh, more podcasts coming at you. Uh, obviously, we'll have the match review uh, after the weekend. We'll look at the uh, Chelsea women's Juventus review, plus a mailbag, because uh, I believe, are they on international break now, Nick? They just uh, Yeah, and it won't, it'll be Juve plus uh, who they have this weekend. Oh, no. I stalled. Well, either way. <laughs> Malmo from the men, Norch yep. preview, and maybe one more if Dan can squeeze it into his guest scheduling calendar. Well, we've got we've got one Joe Tweed's uh, recording Ooh. a couple of specials this weekend, so we should have hey. some stuff ready to go. Hey, guess Welcome what, back, guys? Joe. I'm I'm buzzing for this, you know, buzzing. Okay, so. Uh, uh, yeah, Chelsea news. Naz tweeting, Chelsea are saying both Angelo Conte and Reese James are back in training ahead of Brentford. Big boost. What? Reese James? High ankle sprain is back training? This is, hey, this is a smokescreen. Going what this to is. England, they must have, you know, gave him some of that CBD lotion, maybe some injections. I don't know what they did, but clearly Gareth knew what was going on and we didn't. That's a smokescreen is what that is, folks. He's not playing this weekend. AKA he like walked out of the locker room and sat down on the bench and like at training, check the box. He's yeah. physically he can participate here. with the water polo team. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That honestly, that's wild to go from pool to running in 10 days. So we'll see how that happens to, to pan out. Other than that, I guess, you know, kind of looks like a clean slate so we can go ahead and throw up a roster uh, predicted lineup is as best as we can. Uh, Matt Cav asking, does Trevor Chalaba get another start? And do you think he can lock down one of the center back spots this season? Uh, I mean, Nick, I was going to say to this one, you have a good shot because Reese James is out. Maybe not, but Reese James, Reese James is not going to play this game. Okay. If he really has a high ankle sprain, that's really what he, he was diagnosed with. We said it on the last one. I mean, this is like four to eight weeks somewhere in there depending on the severity Minimum. of it yeah and like why risk it right now like why i mean we need him this season you can't go out there and have him wobbly for the rest of the year because he rushed him back for no reason like uh, again no. brentford malma norwich yeah. nick all right it, you can get away without him for a minute here so like just 
what you know, play play uh, play Cal, play Aspie, and I I do have Trev in my lineup for this week. So to answer your question, uh, I believe that Trev will play. Well, continue to put said money where said mouth is. Yep, uh, I believe uh, world's best goalkeeper Edouard Mendy between the sticks. Um, Trev Chalba, uh, Christensen, and Rudiger. Rudiger is kind of the wonky one for me. He did hurt his back while he was with Germany. I hope he's fine. It, the FPL lineup said he was seventy five percent chance to play. So, you know, the look. most accurate source of information for that stuff too. I don't. Know. They know. I don't. Whatever. Uh, so I, I still I'll throw Rudiger in there. I have Aspi and Alonzo as my wing backs, and then I have Ingolo Conte and Ruben Loftus Cheek starting uh, in my midfield. Just a delicious midfield, that is. And then I'm going weird. I'm going weird up top because I don't know what the hell's going on with uh, Lukaku. I think that's like the big concern because he had to uh, come off injured uh, in the, what is it, the uh, UEFA Nations, Nations League thing? Oh, whatever. Uh, so I have Ziyech Pulisic making a return and Werner up top. It's a weird three. I don't know. Dan, Nick doesn't get it yet. Lukaku does this on international breaks. He does enough to get the points, and he's like, all right, guys, I'm out. Like, Lukaku I, I takes, like, limit. the 60-minute, like, planned <laughs> sub. Like, he, like, does the sly little, like, oh, yeah. He's like, I got a knock. I got I to gotta get my private jet and get back to London. So I'm hoping that's what like, I'm, I'm a professional. I come here, I do a job, and I go home. You uh. know, just at the end of the day. Pack my bags. I'm good. I did what I needed to do. Uh, look, I think that front three is absolutely shenanigans, and it's not going to happen. So don't worry about it, listener. <laughs> what will be more likely in terms of a lineup, I do agree with Mendy. Uh, no surprise. It's Chalaba, Christensen, and Rudiger. It, you know, Rudiger, just, I think he's going to – I think he will will himself into any game he can play this season and seems to be the most central to uh, Tuchel's back three. I do think it's Asby, Conte. I think Kova gets the nod, but I could see RLC happening. I think Chilwell, uh, post, uh, post England, post, uh, kind of bump back into the team gets, uh, gets his opportunity here. And then I actually think it's going to be the three that ended, uh, the last match in Werner, Lukaku, and Mount, uh, combining. And, uh, that kind of sets up what I'll eventually put up as my plus one inconceivable prediction. Hmm. Well, keep that in the pocket. All right. Don't need to uh, show your cards too early. Uh, also, going with Mendy. No reason why not, right? Uh, I've got Aspie in my back three, though. I know you guys had Trevo. Uh, I went Christensen, Rudiger, really hoping that Callum Hudson Odoi can take that re- right wing back spot. I know it's maybe not his favorite. I know it's not a fan favorite, but Callum on the right attacking a back four and, you know, kind of a traditional outside mid, I think would provide a. Um, an advantage for us. I also have Conte and Kovacic uh, in the midfield. Don't really have a great reason why. I want to see Conte. Anytime you can see Conte, put Conte in. I need more Conte. And then I've got Alonso as my left wing back, but I would say it's probably closer than it's been. And if anything, you're like, well, Alonso played for Spain. Chilla went, you know, with England. Like, it, I think that that gap is, is narrowing, especially because Alonso's had not some amazing performances lately and Chilwell did score uh, against Southampton at the end so uh, it's not like he's in bad form himself and actually huge credit for him to come in and be able to put that in and just play like that and then up top I actually have it a little bit mixed up too I have uh, Havertz, Lukaku and Werner 
if you look at it, they have a hot hand coming off of the goals they all that they all scored over the international break. Um, Havertz didn't play the last match. Lukaku, he's first name on the team sheet by default because of the depth in that position and and who he is. And then you know, Timo again, Pacey, they're gonna have a back four. There should, you know, if they're if their outside backs push up at all, he'll be able to exploit the shit out of that that space. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, he gets a chance. But to your point, Nick, you had me thinking about Pulisic as well. I just don't know if Tuchel's gonna trust him to start right away, but he is one that I was really close to thinking about playing because you assume again, what a great opportunity, a little bit lower level in opposition. Uh, he should be fresh. He's with Tuchel and company the entire break. He looks great, except if he's wearing a Jets jacket, but that's just my opinion. Mm. Well, yeah, I I mean, this would be week four or five since the last one, since the last end of the last break. So uh, he should be healthy now. I mean, one would assume anyway that he, he would be healthy. So all signs, all signs point that way that he's, yeah. he's fit. I, and so I don't know. I'm. I'm also just like, you know, I think if I'm Tuchel, I'm looking for something different because, I mean, offensively, it, it, it ain't been good recently. Uh, we, we could be doing better. So, you know, there are a lot of people talking about Pulisic on Twitter today saying, like, we could use his directness against um, kind of the, the stout back four of, of Brentford. So, yeah, I, I might I might not be the most accurate lineup at the end of the day, but I wanted to go with something a little weird and mix it up. I do think Ruben should start, though, based on his form. I think I think that's still a bold prediction, but I think if we saw it as fans, I think we'd be happy, Dan. I don't think anyone would be like, ooh, big gamble from Tuchel here. I think a lot of the fans would say, absolutely, Ruben, go on. Yeah, I, I guess what I am viewing this from is like, again, we're talking about this from the lens of we are currently atop the Premier League table, and the best way to win the Premier League now is to stay on top of the table, which means w- win out, which is unlikely, um, or just have a lot of really great runs. And so I think in that regard, like I want this to be the strongest possible lineup. And, you know, I think it's Conte and Kova in the middle. But I mean, again, I, I would be upset if Ruben Loftus-Cheek got a start. Like he is dominated midfield in a way, gives us a little bit of that forward thrust and might then give you an option to play around and have Nick's really Halloween candy grab bag attack. <laughs> what I mean, no one's got Jorginho in here. Isn't like Conte Jorginho the top midfield I think, pairing? I think Jorginho needs rest, my man. I yeah. think he looks gassed. I, I agree. I just, when you were like, put out the best possible lineup, I'm like, wasn't that technically Jorginho? I realized no one, none of us had him. Not not on form so far this year. I mean, I, I don't. Too many trophies weighing him down? I think I think all these international minutes are, you know, I think we have so many international leaders on this team that it's it's not as if these guys are just going out to these uh, to these international breaks and going, hey, I'm just going to get a do a bit of traveling and walk around with the squad. I mean, they're, they're all taking ownership of their of their teams, and Jorginho certainly does that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just going to be really goofy from a lineup perspective from here on out. This season, the rest of the season is chock full of international football, and it's just going to be goofy. Well, we'll have to see. Kate asked us if we thought we might change a formation to shut Brentford down. I, I I had no thought in my mind about changing off the three four three, Nick. No, I mean I think the only change that might happen, and this 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 is just 
you know, me projecting, like if, if something like mounts is playing like Dan's lineup has Lukaku, Werner and Mount, I could see maybe going into that three, five, two where Mount plays the 10, but I don't see like the total formation changing that much. I think this is what we drill. Like this is what we're best at. This is what other teams have issues coming to grips with like why would we change it now we, we look good and it confuses other teams like i i just wouldn't alternate too much i mean again the formation is just how it looks on paper it's the tactics that you employ when you're attacking when you're defending that really ends up determining what it actually is yeah all right again just thought i'd throw that out there in case anyone had a, another idea but nope i think it should be pretty like if anything you have to adapt to brentford because they play the 4-4-2 so uh all right score predictions on this one it looks like dan and i predicted clean sheets i won't go ahead and spoil that nick on the other hand um what was that thing you said trick-or-treat grab bag hmm it's a trap this is admiral akbar special right here this is I have I have Chelsea three Brentford two in a thriller, unfortunately. But hasn't the consistent thing even been when we only get one shot in across two matches that the defense is there? Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I, I think that this is just going to be a weird back from international break game. Uh, you know, I mean, and these are going to happen. Uh, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's one of your score lines, obviously. But of course, I just I, I foresee goofiness happening. The- what I could see for like a non-positive Chelsea result, and we all predicted a, a W, which is important, would be a nil-nil, right? If for whatever reason the offense doesn't click, well, Brentford's not going to score against Chelsea. But I said to hell with that. I'm going 3 nothing. I'm going to go all in on the positivity. Lukaku banger, Timo probably deflected off his hip, off a VAR offsides call. And then uh, Ruben with a, just an absolute banger from 30. So... Uh, three nothing would be fun to watch. I think for from my perspective, Dan, you agree? Yeah, I'm gonna just depress it just a touch, but I do think it's a clean sheet and Chelsea win uh, two goals to nil. All right, well, back to one inconceivable prediction. That's silly time. I said we save a penalty. I think that'd be fun to see, just in in general. Hmm. Um, obviously, Chili B gave one up not so long ago, so maybe this time Mendy saves it. Dan. How many times are you going to copy-paste this until it comes true? <laughs> well, that's what I was doing, and then Nick stole my my repeat one, so I, I had to I had to pivot real quick. I went with a Werner brace. Like, scored for Germany, scored right before, scored and got chalked off, unfortunately. Like, the, the man seemingly has turned his luck just a touch, and I'll buy it every fucking time. I will buy it. <laughs> I, I will, Jim Cramer, like, I'm hitting the button of buy, and I want to get involved. Like, that's what I want. I did steal Dan's, but as we know, I am the Oracle, so it shall come true. Uh, Christensen, first Chelsea goal against his fellow countryman, Thomas Frank, on the other side. He'll go over, pull up his shirt. It'll have a Danish flag on it. It'll be a thing. It'll be a whole thing. I'd love to see a Croatian flag running down the streets. But, hey, maybe another time. We won't get into that. Yeah, Yan. Uh, <laughs> no, you're he's listening, like, Yan. He's like, I that one away. How did, <laughs> like, he's going to check his timeline and be like, where did they this come from? They screen the tweet, man. Like, it's real. <laughs> it uh, happened. No. But that, that ship has clearly sailed. He thinks he's in the clear. And, again, we're going to bring it up and probably going to get some tasty WhatsApp messages. But it'll be fun. <laughs> um, uh, keep asking, what do you do to fit in all your recordings with work and personal lives? Um, <laughs> wait, work? You guys work? 
Personal life? <laughs> Definitely Personal don't have that. <laughs> Question mark. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have the cheeky answer here, which is use the time turner from Harry Potter. How about that? We're getting into spooky season. Uh, real answer, though, is we were just lamenting this earlier today. We're, sure were. We, we have a, a time crunch that we're doing now with all these shows and all this other stuff that we're doing. So uh, it's a challenge, Keith. Lots of proactive communication, a lot of empathy for for one another and support from our friends and family who are okay letting us disappear for periods of time to put our energy into this. Honestly, it's the Apple five star reviews. If we didn't have that, I'd close up shop. (laughs) (laughs) It's the fuel that burns my engine. (laughs) If that's not motivation, I don't know what is. Uh, And then keep double up saying what are each of you going for uh, Halloween this year? Uh, Nick with the only relevant answer. Uh, you're not looking at my screen, but Ted Lasso. I'll go with Ted Lasso. Not, not a great a f- surprise, but a very great shock. Yes. Yeah, like a, you. like a fatter Ted Lasso. It'll jacket? be great. Uh, no, I could, I could fix it up though. Right. Teacup. I see. I, I, I looked on the Warner brothers store and it's terrible. Like, I don't want to go buy that. It just doesn't. Etsy. Yeah. No, I have you the. Should just get the black puffer and then like affix the logo to it. Yeah. Well, I I have the I have the Joe stack or Joe's gate stack shirt thing, so I can just wear that. Yeah. Be, oh, you, you could just wear the the sweater with the the white uh, Oxford shirt underneath it. Yeah. Classic. I would love it if you went to Target, bought a white teacup, and hand painted it super shittily. But hey, you do you, boss. Uh, I don't think I am dressing up, Dan. Couples costume. Yeah, Dan. No, no, no. Oh. I, I, my response was sophisticated drinker because that's that's the way to celebrate Halloween. Put a blanket of candy outside your door. How many costumes do your dogs have? Oh, uh, they've got a couple Star Wars ones, I think. So <laughs> at least two. Dan's energy level disappeared immediately when I asked about his dog's costume. The balloon lost all the air. <laughs> so anyways, quick pivot to actually myself and Phil. So here's an update from what's gone on uh, with the Chelsea Academy. Obviously, they still had some matches. They've also had international breaks. So it'll be a little bit of a mix, but we hope you enjoy and we'll be back after that. All right. Thank you, myself, for pitching to me. Uh, Matt. Match preview is going well, but uh, look, it is Chelsea Youth Update time. The weekly update, we've got Phil here joining us. So, Phil, welcome back. Uh, it's it's good to have you back on the little weekly segment, but great time to plug the fact that we just did an hour-long piece on the structure of academies in England last weekend. Yeah, we did. It was a really interesting discussion, if I might say so myself. We looked at sort of how things work in England with the Elite Player Performance Plan, how it all comes together into sort of a competition structure and what it takes to run an academy in 2021, and then how all of that affects Chelsea now and what they're looking to do in the decade decade to come as they try to keep their position as one of the foremost academies in the English game. Absolutely. So yeah, go check it out. Uh, Again, it was in the feed on its own. It was a Chelsea Youth update, but uh, we need to do our weekly update here. So it's kind of a little bit quiet, you know, because as we've talked about, the youth players are on international duty, just like the senior players are. And you said that some of them aren't even going to come back till next week. Why? The England under-17s have their qualifiers uh, a week out of sync with everybody else. So they are, I believe, in Belarus for the tournament. It's a four-team group and one of the teams hosting. They're playing Armenia and Belarus and uh, somebody else off the top of my head, I can't remember, uh, playing on Saturday, Tuesday and Saturday again. Uh, Chelsea have got a couple of players away in that. So 
they'll be missing for at least one academy fixture and one under 19 fixture as we'll get into in a bit all right and then obviously england duty for a lot of these players not everyone is english though we as we've kind of talked about any standout performances that you want to touch on or was it kind of Honestly, I haven't watched any international football. This has been like the most disconnected break I've ever had. So I'm wondering what it's like for you on the youth side. I'm sort of the same. Obviously, I was keeping track of how the the boys did. And Chelsea had uh, 20 plus players called up England age group. So there was a lot of um, lot of domestic-based uh, impression going on. So Conor Gallagher scored for the 21s. Tino Angerin scored for the England 20s. Harvey Vale for the... 19 soon up bell for the 18 so representation and good performances across the age groups and then we've seen at senior level that billy gilmore had a starring role for scotland armando broja keeps scoring for um for albania and this you, you look all over the place and this chelsea boy is impressing for their country all right well uh as always we love to hear that uh but as far as match reviews we only have the one right and it was the oh my gosh this is my favorite right the the well, it's the, the Papa John's cup. trophy. But yeah, the Papa John's pizza trophy. Maybe it's the, don't they have like a quesadilla? Now? Anyways, I, pizza dilla. <laughs> I won't get into that controversy. Uh, but Chelsea U21 took on Bristol Rovers. And again, this is men playing against boys is the idea with this, right? That is usually the case. Uh, in this particular match, uh, Bristol Rovers were a much rotated team and younger than usual. There were still some experienced season pros in there and players who who play in their first team. Uh, all of which work to Chelsea's advantage to an extent because these matches aren't usually played by Chelsea in international breaks. The competition is scheduled around them, but Chelsea tried to move them away because they tend to have so many absentees. So they went into this match without the like, without, I'll just write them off Lucas Bergstrom, Teddy Sharman, Lowe, Brian Fiabema, Lewis Hall, Brody Hughes, Sam McClelland, Jude Sunsup Bell, Silco Thomas, Harvey Vale, and Charlie Webster. So that's a lot of players to miss for a fairly small squad that's already without Ben Elliott. Ben Elliott's injured, I think, and Bashir Humphreys is injured. So you've got an entire starting eleven absent, and two two of them goalkeepers. So it's a it's a knockout competition. This is game two of three. They beat Exeter on penalties back in August. Um, and the weird way that this competition works is you get a bonus point for winning a penalty shootout at the end of a ninety minutes. So they were on two points rather than three for winning. Um, and they, they went a 1-2-1 last night, which was enough to book their place in the knockout stages, which is really impressive, not not just because this group has struggled for results a little bit this season, but a team that did very well last season didn't get out of the group stages and lost the equivalent fixture to a much stronger Bristol Rovers team, admittedly. Um, and, and it was very interesting to see how they went about it. They had a little bit more experience in some ways. Lewis Baker uh 26 years old now scored the winning goal and obviously has a lot of influence in midfield playing at a level that he's far too good for but you're also able to to welcome Alfie Gilchrist into the team at center half he's the second year under 18 defender but also getting some development squad looks he actually captained the team which is really impressive Ethan Wade got an opportunity to impress in goal and impress he did American exactly Jay Wareham started up front and I'm going to credit him for the first goal that may have officially gone down as an own goal it was uh, it a scrappy did. one from in the six yard box as we know this is he's bread and butter he'll he'll go after those all day long i'm going to give him that goal and it was it was all around pretty impressive you've got a couple of debuts off the bench at this level josh tobin came on and louis flower who just signed his first pro deal um last week he came on as well so it was encouraging from that perspective to see uh, a much changed team with some new faces go out and win a, a match in what is a senior competition again i i want everyone out there to like understand how inconsistent these squads and these schedules are like 
the more I learn about the youth schedule, the harder it is. Like if I'm a player and I'm a coach and you're trying to prepare week in, week out, this is so much more complex than Tuchel having his 28 guys every single week with him, you know, maybe one to two absences. I mean, you're talking wholesale changes here, which is which is hard to deal with. And, it, and obviously it affects development and team chemistry and some things like that. But to hear that, that Wareham is continuing to do the business, uh, love seeing that. Obviously, Lewis Baker, you know, being a mainstay, uh, you know, getting the second goal that ended up actually being the the winner um, it's, it's just, it's interesting to hear because again, it is so different than the men's team, but as it stands, Chelsea are top of the group with five points, Bristol on second on three, Exeter city on three and Cheltenham at one. So two yep. played five points, top of the table. It's a and good through. start. And through because Bristol city play Exeter in their last group games. So only one of those is able to overtake Chelsea. Uh, and Chelsea themselves will probably be happy about that. Their, their final group game is away to Cheltenham who will be taking it seriously and are a very, very good side. So they wouldn't have wanted to go into that one needing a result to get through. They've done their business. Now that match takes place on the same night as Chelsea's first team league cup tie against Southampton. So it's a little bit disappointing for supporters who might have wanted to watch both of those games. It was brought forward from the next international break into late October, but they'll work it out. There'll be opportunities for, for some players. And Biamba was on the bench for the last round of the league cup. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with the squad planning. As you were just saying, though, they've got a pool of maybe 40 players across the, uh, the development squad and the under 18s who need to be planned ahead of time for for all sorts of reasons whether it's first team right down to the under 17 cup for example and they'll have to do that for this weekend as well there's there's an under 18 and a development squad game both on saturday and they'll be leading towards the under 19s back in uefa youth league duty next midweek yeah so that's why i want to talk on a little bit of preview because again chelsea don't play till 11 30 my time right and so we get to sleep in a little bit um the u18s are playing reading in the cup on saturday and the pl2 team is playing darby at home so again like we we have to divide and conquer you're telling me the 17s are still gone there's going to be some roster shuffling but uh, again i'm assuming no none of the coaches are asking for sympathy or excuses they're going to go out and do the business absolutely this is the game's program this is the way they want it they have to play the development squad game on the saturday because they have a game next midweek and Friday would have been too soon after last night's game. So they're playing that uh, 1 p.m. So if, if you want a complete Chelsea Saturday, you'll have the under 18s at 11 a.m. UK time, the development squad at 1 p.m. And then the first team at Brentford at 5.30. It just runs essentially back to back to back. And they'll be, they'll be already know which players are going to be with which groups for those games. The, the Reading game will be in the Cup, which oftentimes gives an opportunity for some younger players to get to play. They won their opening group game against Blackburn, so they've got a, a nice position there to be in. And they'll be able to welcome back a whole host of players that didn't play against Bristol Rovers for that game against Derby and hopefully uh, kickstart the season in the league, which hasn't really gone to plan so far. It kind of is like Chelsea. You, you get out of the international break and you are right in the thick of it. You know, to your point, you, you had to play two games Saturday, then you turn around and play U, UEFA Youth League on Wednesday against Malma, thankfully at home. Um, you know, tough result against Juventus, got the good result against Zenit. So I'm assuming, unless you're going to shock me by telling Malma has an amazing youth academy, that we are expecting three points at home. You would like to think so. Now, Malma did hold Juventus to a draw. 
and they lost in the last minute away to Zenit on match day two. So they are by no means a pushover, but you would like to think that Chelsea at home, and not just at home, it's a King's Meadow, which means for the first time in about five years, they're playing uh, a home fixture in the UEFA Youth League where fans are able to attend. It's not at the most convenient kickoff time. It's a, a lunchtime kickoff on a week a working weekday, but the opportunity is there for fans to to attend and to lend them their support. The same will be the case for their final home group game against Juventus. It's a it's an advance from the club to to move these games into back into the public eye, back into the public spectacle, to 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 give the players an opportunity to play in front of audiences that they might not ordinarily get. Obviously, you you tend to at PL two level, but for some of the under 19s who only play league games on Saturday mornings, that isn't really the done thing. Uh, it'll be cool to see. There should be live coverage of it. Um, around the world uh, the UEFA Youth League is picked up by multiple rights holders all over the place and UEFA TV will often stream a game so keep your eyes on your local listings for that but yeah they, they, they need to come into this home and away game against Malmo over the next fortnight hoping to take six points out of six because that will give them uh, a platform they should then qualify from heading into the last two match days they'll bring Juventus as mentioned back at Kings Meadow before finishing off in St. Petersburg they'd like to have the, their place booked by then always you always want secured advance you know before that um as you look at these kind of matches and there's all this roster rotation is there anyone that's starting to develop into really like a leader on the team that is kind of the the rock that is uh unifying these teams as they go through a lot of change i mean obviously i like i'd like to not focus on loose baker because of his age and experience he's a bit of an outlier you know, but you're starting to hear some of these same names. And I feel like we usually talk about the goal scores and if a goalkeeper saves a penalty, is there a penalty shootout heroics? Um, but Sam McClelland has really become a player that I am excited about. So that's who I'm starting to watch a little bit more specifically. But from your perspective, especially as you get to see the whole match live a lot of the time, who is starting to kind of rise to the top of like, the Mason Mount back in the day, right? And it was also uh, Connor Gallagher. I mean, he was the youth team captain for a long time. He was like the rock in the academy. He's like, oh, you need me to play right back? Got it. No big deal. Let's go. Yeah, Sam's been brilliant for much of 2021 after missing a long time out through injury. He's a leader, whether he's got the armband on or not. Uh, a very underrated defender. And in contrast to somebody like Xavier Umbuyamba, who has had a tough start to the season, but to his credit has looked a lot more confident and competent in the last few appearances. Sam gets nowhere near the same hype, uh, possibly because he is looks like a little bit of an old-school defender, but he does his job diligently and impressively and will definitely have a, a solid career out of it. He's a, he's a foundation for this team and will continue to be so. In terms of other players sort of emerging in leadership, it's been interesting that the last time they played before the, um, before the international break, Harvey Vale was given the captaincy for the first time. Uh, they've been moving it around a little bit. Sam wasn't available for that game. Umbu Yamba's worn it before. So they're, they're clearly trying to to move it around and to see who comes out of their show and who leads. Uh, Xavier Simons has been quite impressive uh, playing in midfield against Bristol Rovers. He's played at right back and at right centre-back. Uh, he's 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 got the drive to to lead the team forward. And like you said, the, the experience that Baker and, and George McEachran can provide is invaluable sometimes to these young players. But I think there's been players stepping up across the board. Like George Nunn doesn't get a lot of credit for the way he's adapted to be playing as a left wing back or on the left wing or a back up front sometimes. He's done a lot of really hard work and... He's one of the more senior players in the team. I think sometimes his role goes a, a little bit understated. He's done well, and I think 
we'll see what happens with him at mid-season, whether he's in, in line for a loan or not. It's a little bit harder sometimes when you're looking to change position. But as you go along, you want those sort of senior players to to lead the younger guys. But similarly, if the younger guys coming up have the natural leadership attributes like Alfie Gilchrist, then they're going to be given every opportunity to take the, take the lead themselves. Look, I totally understand why you pass the captain's armband around, especially at that level. It's a new experience, right? You're stretching them. You're you're letting them go do the coin toss with the referee. There's, you know, other, you know, lead the team out. There's other responsibilities that come with it. So it's great to, like, put it on a bunch of different people to see how they react in that moment. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, I really like that. So there's, there's a few names to look at. Again, not, not putting them on a watch list, not putting them on the track to be the next John Terry. We don't need to play that game. Um, but before we go, Phil, you talked about a, an article that our dear friend Naz over at goal.com put out. And he's he's noticed something a little bit cheeky about Chelsea's transfer policy and strategy post Brexit, and it has to deal with non league signings, doesn't it? It does, and it came to prominence again this week because uh, Declan Frith, who Chelsea picked up from non league back in the early spring and signed to a contract, has has already left. He signed a permanent deal with Aston Villa after impressing on, there, on loan there in the last month. But he was one of three or four players who. Chelsea have brought in from the non-league ranks this year. Jay Wareham was one of them, came in from Woking, having played a dozen games for their first team in the National League. Bradley Ryan was signed in the summer after being released from Welling United. Uh, They had Brian Bilongo on trial from Kingstonian, uh, and look to have had a deal done for him. Uh, there were heavy connections there to Reese James's dad. Reese is the Kingstonian under 18 coach, previously with Hanworth Villa, brought Belongo with him from Hanworth to Kingstonian and then recommended to Chelsea. That deal seems to have fallen through at the last minute. But lots of clubs have had have dipped their toes into the non-league waters because they want to find the next Jamie Vardy or or whoever. Players who've been overlooked by the system or haven't had their crack at the the top level academies who are able to to come in help the teams the development teams right away but also have a potential to to make it in in, in the professional game whether that's as a, an asset to develop or somebody to to come through and, and really impress at first team level as as you rightly said brexit means that clubs have to get a little bit more creative with a narrower scope as to where they can now recruit from so the competition will be rife but chelsea have, have shown uh, a desire to do that this year They've had trialists come in who they chose not to sign, who've gone on to sign for other Category 1 academies. Quavin de Castro, who's at West Brom, is another one. And I think it's something you're going to continue to see happen uh, while they while they diversify their interests. They've, they've completely swinging away from that. They've also got a, a long-term American trialist at the minute, Joshua Padadath, who was let go by Ajax, and Chelsea have had him for most of the year while they try to work out paperwork to be able to sign him. But it's just all all signs are pointing towards how can you expand your talent pool as much as possible at a time where the rules are trying to constrict it. Right. And getting clever. Do you think like that five month flip was on purpose or is it just dipping into a different talent pool that they haven't traditionally gone into? In Frith's case, I think it was because they've been considering options for left back or left wing back for a long time because they've been considerably understocked there. So they've loaned out a lot of their they're better players like uh, like Ian Martson. And they, they lost Sam Illing Jr. to Juventus ahead of his scholarship. Uh, and it's it's been notably a weak point. So they had Frith in on trial. And Frith is... Villa have used him as a, a right-sided attacker cutting inside onto his left foot. And that's where he, he had Charles at Charlton. And, and that's where he tends to excel. So Chelsea tried him as a wing-back and he, he did there to, to some success. Belongo from Kingstonian, similar story, left wing-back. So... 
In Frith's case, I think it was, we're going to bring him in, try him out as a wing-back, but we've also got other options in-house. So they've had George Nunn as a wing-back. They played Silco Thomas there. They played Dion Rankin there. They're trying to, every option that they have to to solve a short-term issue there while also looking at the market. Didn't really work out for Frith, so be it. He's gone on to Aston Villa, and I'm sure he'll do very well there for an academy that is continuing to impress. Uh, and Chelsea will keep their eyes open for, for what the market opens up not just at left back or on the left side but everywhere well i mean this is something that we've talked with joe tweets about as well so at some point we'll have to get you two in the same podcasting session we can talk more about it uh if you've you got know. a spare four hours it'd be great <laughs> exactly i've no no disillusionment of what that'll look like but yeah because i know joe just wrote a nice long piece about levi colwell uh, on our on his weekly newsletter, which is on our Patreon. So again, um, something that you and I have talked about, Phil, before. So uh, bring the minds together. So anyways, well, thanks for the update, Phil. Uh, we will keep an update. Uh, I think I did the math and it's like a 6 a.m., 9 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. if you tried to catch all three matches in the U.S. on state side. But, um, you know, if you're committed, you'll do it. So thanks for the update, sir. Speaking to you soon. All right, back to the group to round out the Brentford preview. Look, I don't want to throw to myself, Dan. Can you say something? I keep doing it. It's weird. Look, Brandon, that was a really great update from you yeah. and Phil. And uh, I'm excited that during the break, you also told us that you're going to start dropping uh, the TikTok dances that you and your girlfriend are putting together on our Instagram page at some point. So we're looking forward to that. Keep an eye out for it. We'll get it over to Ishan. We'll get it posted. It'll be great. She offered. You say it's a joke. She's no, like, I'll I'm run dead your serious. She's like, I'll run your TikTok. <laughs> and by the way, here are the first three dances we do. She's like, you can ask me who's that player and I'll guess their name. And then, and like, she's all in on participating. Oh, I cannot wait for this. God, I'm so uh, look, excited. I need, like, get, let's play the game like a silly number, right? Like if we get to X amount of thousands of followers or like this, this pod promo tweet gets like a thousand likes or something like that. Then, then Elizabeth and I can drop a, a couple of videos. <sighs> We'll yeah, come up okay. with something. Yeah, yeah we'll, no. we'll get to work on that. I think I think if we got a, a pod promo tweet to a thousand likes, that would that would qualify to me as like in the territory for for such a for such because I mean, depending on which one it is, we usually can do like five hundred or something like that, but like we'd be like doubling it. So like I, I, I don't know. We could transact think, on that. Yeah. Or or our audience, give us some ideas. Uh, we mostly just want to see Brandon look hilariously bad uh, dancing. Her first so. one is like she wants to do the Applebee's song. Oh, Applebee's God. on a date night. <sighs> Anyways, all right, let's go ahead and get uh, this one wrapped up and over to the audience. Actually, don't like the tweet. Don't like the uh, tweet. <laughs> do me a solid. Um, I, I do just want to end on a really great note that Anthony Taylor's the referee. The fact that we haven't touched on that up until this point, you're welcome. <laughs> Ending it with an absolute turd sandwich. Um, but again, as we said, uh, Chelsea this weekend's Brentford sleep in it's not till 1130 central 1230 eastern and a 930 Dan Pacific Ooh. time get down to the pub Dan <laughs> he's gonna be Start drinking he's gonna have the Bloody Marys out by then <laughs> all right well hey big one this Saturday welcome back to Premier League football it has been a while uh, hopefully you've got your fantasy Premier League team set uh, unless your name is Dan Dormer then go ahead and wild card and forget uh, that's going to wrap us up. Again, we'll be back with the match review on Monday. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.